Oregon football's defense can improve in several ways in 2022, but in some ways even more so than others. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every weekday. Thanks for liking, commenting, subscribing, wherever you are listening to or watching the show right now, which is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts and Oregon's defense in 2022 can start by improving in uh, several statistical areas so let's look at what that is I talked about this a little bit yesterday but I thought it was worth a more a little bit more of a deep dive so that's what we're doing here today uh, and the passing defense is first and foremost and I think this will be kind of tough because Oregon's losing so much from last year's defense that pertains to the passing game and so little that pertains to the running game right you think of the positions that are most important for stopping the run. You think interior defensive linemen who are going to fill up some holes, absorb double teams and linebackers who can fill holes, drive running backs down into the backfield, stop yards after contact and all that sort of stuff. Oregon's got those pieces coming back. Hopefully uh, Justin Flo is healthy with Noah Sewell at the linebacking positions. And then you've got Brandon Dorless, Popo Almavai, Sam Taimani there, Jordan Riley, Casey Rogers, you know, all, all sorts of depth there on the defensive front, on the interior. But when you're talking about defending the pass, you're looking at the secondary and you're looking at edge rushers who can put pressure on the quarterback and disrupt his rhythm and timing. And that is where Oregon's losing the most, right? Kayvon Thibodeau's gone. You have two new starting corners because you don't have DJ James. You don't have Mikhail Wright. You don't have Verone McKinley. There's just so much turnover on that side of the ball. And for a passing defense that allowed 241 yards per game last year, in 14 total games, Oregon allowed 3,377 passing yards, which is just a ridiculously high number for a team that out-recruits basically every team in the conference over the last four years. Not basically, they out-recruit every team in the conference over the last four years. That's just unacceptable from a schematic perspective. I mean, that number in terms of passing yards allowed per game, that was below Colorado. That was below USC's putrid defense last year. That was below the Beavs, who had to replace their defensive coordinator. That was below UCLA, who replaced their defensive coordinator. So did Colorado. All of those teams have new defensive coordinators this year because they didn't do a good enough job. And Oregon does as well. And that's why the you know that's why it's one of the things that jumps out the most when you're talking about where they can improve. Now, just because there's a lot of turnover doesn't mean there's a shortage of talent. I, I really like Christian Gonzalez. I think if you watch what he did in the spring game, didn't make a lot of flashy plays, didn't have his name called a lot. But as a corner, that's oftentimes a really, really good thing when you don't have quarterbacks throwing the ball your way a ton because you're glued onto your guy then you're not going to have your name called a lot on the broadcast. You're not going to make a bunch of plays, but you're taking away essentially an entire third or even half of the field. And I think he's done an exceptional job so far this spring, and he's got a history with Demetrius Martin coming over from Colorado. So I think there's a potential for him to be an all-pack 12 caliber performer once again. He was honorable mention in 2021. 
at the other corner slot. I think Dante Manning is going to have to step up. You know, his injury is considered pretty minor, should be back fine at full strength for the 2022 season. But that's the highest rated DB recruit in Oregon football history. Uh, I mean, he's a top 20 all time recruit for the Ducks, and he has not lived up to that billing so far. Injuries have been a part of that, but when he's been on the field and been healthy, he, he has not looked like the sort of player we thought he might be when he was recruited as, as a five-star guy. So I, I think if he can take a step up, that'll help a lot. And then I like our hybrid DBs as well, right? The guys who are playing kind of a nickel or a dime package, or they can play a little bit of safety, the Jamal Hills and Bennett Williams of the world. I, I think those two, you know, they're good in coverage. They make plays. They can deliver a blow as well, blitzing off the edge. Both big, physical, really well-built guys. You know, not quite at a linebacker level, but definitely closer to a strong safety than than a free safety. When you look at how how they're built, and you know, I, I think they're both really solid in, in coverage, both man and zone, and both uh, have made a lot of plays over the last few years. So I like those two. The problem Oregon's going to have this year is who's playing safety, right? I, I mean, Brian Addison has gotten a lot of attention, and Triquez Bridges is going to move back over to safety, it seems. And so that's the position he was recruited at. So is he going to be able to you know, make a, a leap forward and make the adjustment back to his original position? That's something we as Oregon fans are certainly hoping for. The problem is when you have four guys playing together who did not take any snaps together as a unit from a season ago, kind of feels especially with two brand new safeties and losing Verone McKinley who was the leader of the secondary last year kind of feels like they're ripe for a couple blown coverages from time to time right and, and you know every team's going to have that you know two three times a season but sort of seems like it's ju it's just ripe for that because you have Addison who's gone back and forth between safety and receiver you've got Triquez Bridges who's been playing corner but is now moving back and then you have two new d corners on the outside just kind of feel I'm not saying that they can't be good, but just from an experience standpoint, you know, that that Oregon defense in 2019 that was really good where McKinley was more of a rotational player a little bit. He, he might have started when he was a, a true freshman that year, but you had Javon Holland, you had Thomas Graham, you had Diamador Lenore. They had played together for several seasons, and that continuity in the back end of your defense is really important. So I, I think when you look at it from the point of view of improving the pass defense. It can still happen, right? There, there's still enough talent there, and they have to upgrade themselves schematically, but they also have to figure out the chemistry if they're going to get that number down closer to 200 passing yards a game. I mean, 241, and to be below the teams that 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 I listed, Colorado, USC's just awful defense. The Beavs were no good defensively, and UCLA needed to fire their defensive coordinator two years ago. And they finally did. I, I mean, those are just not teams you want to be behind if you're Oregon. So I think that's definitely the, the biggest area where Oregon can improve. And there are several, you know, because another one is third down defense. Now, this was one of those things where I feel like Oregon fans are watching this and just agreeing me through it, agreeing with what I'm about to say. The Ducks defense struggled to get off the field. And oftentimes what you'll have in college football or any sport is something feels like it's some way because situationally it hasn't been going the way you want it to for your team, but the stats don't always back it up. Well, Oregon fans were frustrated a year ago at the third down defense, not able to get off the field, couldn't make crucial tackles, couldn't sack the quarterback when they always wanted to, especially when Thibodeau wasn't on the field. Well, the stats back up how we were feeling last year, duck fans, 46% conversion rate. The Ducks allowed on third down, 
46%. That is horrible. I mean, that is so bad. I will put into context just how bad that is. After I remind you, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, go Mariners, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. That Oregon third down defense last year was so bad at 46%. It was, drumroll please, 118th nationally. Yeah, that's not very good. For those of you at home, there are about 130 FBS football programs, and Oregon was 118th in third down defense. I'm going to go way out on a limb here. I mean way, way out on a limb, like on one of the tree limbs where I am right now in Bend, Oregon. I'm sure you realize this wasn't a, a usual studio for me. I'm down here at Black Butte with my parents. We're renting a house. That is our newest location for the latest recording of Locked on Ducks. You are with me everywhere that I go, Duck fans, and I appreciate you being with me everywhere that I go. But let's go way out on one of those tree limbs and say that, uh, yeah, that needs to improve for Oregon's defense to be better. And I think you could argue that it's going to have a carryover effect because you're not going to allow as many yards if you can get off the field sooner, not just because you don't allow a team the potential to drive down the field, but also because your defense gets more of a chance to rest. You can get your offense back out on the field, run the ball maybe a little bit and give them a break. It just felt that time and time again, the defense is wore down. I think that third down defense carried over into the next statistical area where Oregon has got to be better on that side of the ball next year. And that was in the red zone. They were 95th nationally in red zone defense last year. That's, as the young people say, a yikes. Maybe they do. I don't even know anymore. 53 touchdowns in 61 red zone trips. Just a hair under 87% conversion rate. Opponents got into the end zone. I think when you can't get off the field, you start to get deflated when teams get when teams do get into the red zone and you're a little bit more tired and you're willing to just say, ah, you know what, they're going to get this one and that's just the way that I'm tired. We, like we need a break right now. So I think if you bring the third down percentage, the, the, the conversion rate on third down, you bring that rate down and just I don't think you need to be in the top 10 nationally, but I don't know. Can we crack the top 70? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that would be great. I think if you can do that, then you'll see that red zone percentage start to come down. Cause you also won't allow as many trips. And when you don't allow as many trips in the red zone, I think that also changes the mentality of your defense, right? Because then you have guys saying, you know, I, I, this doesn't happen very often. I'm not about to allow them to just walk into the red zone. Whereas if you're allowing teams to get there time and time again, sometimes you can kind of get into that mindset of, Oh gosh, here we go again. They got into the red zone. We should have got them off the field on third down. I think it changes the complexion of the defensive mindset entirely. So those are the areas where Oregon's defense can improve the most. And Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy have some have their work cut out from them in that sense. Now, if you just listen to all of that, you would think, wow, Oregon's defense was atrocious a season ago. It wasn't that good, but it also wasn't quite that bad it was middle of the pack no pun intended well at this point it probably is anyway so they were middle of the conference last year 
And they were really good in, in a couple of areas. Forcing turnovers, for example, is something that Oregon did exceptionally well this past season. But one reason I think it's all the more important that Lanning and Lupoy address the, the deficiencies that the defense had on third down in the red zone and in the passing game is last year, you forced 22 turnovers, which was tied for 25th nationally. That's a great place for Oregon to be. You play 14 games, you forced or 13 games, I think, 13 Pac-12 games, forced 22 turnovers. I think they forced maybe one in the Alamo Bowl. Maybe they did, I don't even remember at, at this point, but I was just looking at Pac-12 conference stats last year, which was 13 of the 14 games, yada, yada, yada. You force 22 turnovers in a season, you're doing well. Anytime you're north of 20, I think you're in pretty good shape. But the reason that it's going to be tough to replicate that success and why the other areas statistically have to come back to the mean, right? Not, not regress to the mean, but progress to the mean, is it's going to be hard to replicate 22 takeaways the way they did in 2021. You have Novarone McKinley, who was a first-team All-American, led the nation with six interceptions. There's going to be a production drop-off there, especially if you have a guy like Brian Addison back there, who is not going to be super experienced, has a lot of potential, but doesn't have the experience. I think we all kind of infamously remember the the interception whiff he had against Colorado. That's a play McKinley's going to tend to make, but Addison, you know, in theory, is going to be able to improve in that sense if he gives it a full offseason as a member of the secondary. The other thing is Kayvon Thibodeau forced a couple fumbles. Kayvon Thibodeau forced bad throws from quarterbacks with the pressure that he was able to generate. And I expect Oregon's pressure rate to not be where it was a season ago because you don't have, you know, the number five overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. So from that point of view, I think the the task in front of Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy is pretty significant. I think that you're going to have sufficient talent to be a good defense but they have to change a number of things from last year if, if they're going to improve. One thing you don't have to change, and I was alluding to this earlier, the rush defense should be solid, right? And if they're able to take another step forward, then great. You can always get better. They were fourth in the Pac-12, just under 130 yards per game allowed. I think that should be a strength again, you know, with Dorless and Almavai, and now you add Taimani into the mix with, with Jordan Riley coming over from Nebraska, who's an experienced big body in between the tackles. I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, also, someone who I mentioned Oregon was in pursuit of, Jermaine Lole, the, the transfer from Arizona State, decided to go to Louisville. Kind of random, but that that's 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 where he's ended up. So the Ducks did not add another interior defensive lineman, which it kind of makes sense because I think we're set at that particular position. Edge rushers, I wouldn't mind another one or two, but we'll see if uh, if that ends up coming to fruition by the time the season starts. This fall, I believe, as I record this, we are 100 days away from kickoff against Georgia, which is also my birthday. So that'd be a really nice birthday present if the Ducks could uh, could win on September 3rd. But they uh, they were top 30 nationally. If you just look at the first 13 games in rush defense, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for just a half second because I got on that aside, as I often do, as you probably noticed, but they fell to 53rd nationally at 144 rushing yards a game because they allowed a bunch of a bunch of yards on the ground in the Alamo Bowl. But there were a bunch of guys playing that game who were not starters and you were undergoing a coaching change. And so from a statistical standpoint, I, I'm removing that and saying the body of work that the roster had you know, when, when they were at or near full strength and they had an actual coaching staff that, that was, you know, a full-time staff, they were top 30 nationally in rushing yards allowed per game. And I think they should only be better, right? Another year in the weight room, another year in 
uh, in college football is giving you a bunch of experience and film study. They're learning a new system, but I think they should be in that range. And if you can get it down to maybe like 120 ish yards a game, or maybe even under that mark, I think that would be outstanding. And Oregon's defense would be in a good spot, but the rush defense just doesn't have as much work to do as the passing defense does. Right. I mean, 241 yards a game doesn't sound like a lot, but when you consider that that's factoring in, you know, teams like Fresno state or uh, who is Oregon's other uh, gimme game a season ago. I don't even remember. Um, I don't know. Drop it in the YouTube comments. I mean, Ohio state threw for a, a bunch of yards, of course, who was it? I don't know why I can't remember. Now, now, now I'm going to look it up. That's, that's bothering me. Um, sorry. It's just, it's just what, one of those, uh, one of those things that just is not clicking in my head for, for some reason. And it was Stony Brook. Yeah. So, so you, you include, um, yeah, that's okay. Now it makes a little bit more sense why I couldn't remember that, but you include teams like Stony Brook in there or a team like Stanford. That's not going to throw the ball a ton. You know, 241, it didn't rank well in the Pac-12, doesn't rank that well nationally either. And I think that that's that's where they've got to improve more so than more so than in the running game. But plenty to work on for Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy on the defensive side, along with Demetrius Martin, DB's coach, Matt Pallage, who's uh, in the secondary. He's also a co-defensive coordinator, I believe. So work to be done. And I think those are the biggest areas where where the defense can improve. All right, we're going back to a, a continuous mailbag question here. And if you ever want a question answered here on the show, you tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod, or you can DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks, either account, DMs wide open, or the fourth way, which uh, this lovely fan did, Nine Family Bryce is how he goes on YouTube. Hop in every of the YouTube comments section. I will respond to you on there. And if you ask something that's worthy of giving a full segment or two or three, or in this case, four or two, on the show, then I am more than happy to do that. And I love the engagement as well. I appreciate you all engaging with the show and subscribing wherever you're listening right now. And so his question was, Hey, can you do kind of a, a breakdown of all the newcomers that Oregon has coming in? You know, Dior Johnson, Kella Ware already hit those two, but there's a couple other guys who are coming in that will be first year players for the ducks. And there have been a, a bevy of departures as well. And by the way, as I record this, Nothing has changed at this point on Will Richardson, so we're just going forward as if he's going to be on the team. I still doubt it, but we will see. Coming up today, though, and in fact right now, Tyrone Williams, who is a three-star graded recruit, comes from the junior college level, Grayson County College in Denison, Texas. 6'5", 200-pound shooting guard, and that is really what he is, a shooting guard. A season ago, uh, he was down to Oregon and Penn State, by the way, and this is a testament to to Oregon basketball. He's one of the top JUCO recruits in the country this year. He's from Philadelphia originally. Penn State offered him. They were the only other D1 school to offer him, which, frankly, I don't understand after looking at his physical profile and watching uh, some clips of this guy. The fact that he chose the Ducks is a testament to what Dana Altman has done to build the brand of Oregon basketball. And it, it is significant. But a season ago, the reason he is such a coveted Juco recruit, in 23 games, he averaged just under 28 points a game. He shot at 51% from the floor, 36% from distance, 62% at the line, six and a half boards, two and a half assists, and two steals per contest. Not half bad. I will say, though, after this past season, 
when I read those stats, the biggest thing that steps that stands out to me, and I'm sure some of you basketball fans out there feel this way as well, 62% at the line. Why are you a good shooter and 62% at the line? Please, guards, shooters, wings, please be good at the free throw line. Just absolutely brutal what the Ducks did, the charity stripe over this past year. But this guy's just a scorer. That, that, that's what he does first and foremost. He had 13 30-point games in 23 outings last season. He had two 40-point games. As a, a sophomore, he played three years of Juco ball because he got a COVID year. As a sophomore, he had a 50-point outburst. He dropped 51. He was a second-team All-American at the NJCA level this past year. He was the North Texas JCAC All-Conference Player of the Year for the 2021-22 campaign. He's got three years of college basketball at the junior college level under his belt. He's now got two years of eligibility left to play for the Ducks. And he's one of the top Juco prospects in the 2022 recruiting cycle for a reason, you know. And Oregon has had some great success. I think sometimes, you know, fans will hear like, oh, he's coming from the Juco level. Why do you have to go to that school? There's a bevy of reasons guys have to go to junior college instead of a division one institution right out of high school. I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to pop like some of these guys did, but Oregon has had some great success with junior college players in the past, right? You think of Chris Boucher, who I think was the Juco player of the year. You have Chris Duarte, who was just a top 15 pick. Now looks like a really good player at both ends of the floor for the Indiana Pacers. Cavell Bigby Williams. He didn't do a ton. I thought he underperformed a little bit, but you know, was a nice backup big on, on that final four team in the 2016-17 season. Elgin Cook was a JUCO player as well. He was on that Elite Eight team with Dylan Brooks who lost to Buddy Heald in Oklahoma. I mean, those are some really, really nice players. And I, I think Williams shows a number of things that allow him to contribute right away. When you watch this game, it's also kind of hilarious. He's a lefty because, of course, he's a lefty. Because who loves lefties? Like Dana Altman. Ladies, find you someone that loves you like Dana Altman loves lefties. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And by the way, I don't care. It's not like a football quarterback situation where when you're a lefty, it just kind of changes how your offense is set up. Your right tackle is now your left tackle. And it's just like there's just a lot of things that, that can change there offensively. You should be able to make the adjustment, but it's still an adjustment. At least I know it was when I played NCAA 14. My adjustment was was usually to bench the left-handed starter for the right-handed backup. Anyway, it's just hilarious. You know, Jacob Young, Davion Harmon, and Will Richardson. And now, of course, Tyrone Williams comes in as a lefty. And remember, he, he's not a point guard like those guys were, were listed as. He's really a true shooting guard, not much of a facilitator. I don't think that's something he's going to do a lot of. When, when he gets to the Ducks, but he's a pretty explosive athlete. He's got he's got good hops and can throw down some authoritative dunks. He shoots with ease, gets the ball into a nice shooting pocket, nice release. You know, he's a career 37% three-point shooter, and he, he can step out a couple feet beyond the arc as well, more, more than just, you know, a, a foot or two. Not quite Peyton Pritchard level, but he's comfortable shooting from range, particularly on the wings. That's where he does a lot of his damage, and I think that's good because he gets a lot of elevation on, on his jumper. You know, when he's kind of rotating up to to catch the ball in an off-ball situation, he can get the shot off over a defender. But he also just likes to kind of stare a guy down, walk him back a little bit, and then rise and fire. And he 
scorches the net without hitting the rim more often than than he doesn't it seems i mean i was watching highlights of course but he does that quite a bit and he's got a nice mid-range game too he looks very comfortable in that area uses that elevation well to get to his spots rise up over defenders knock down shots and you know has, has really just got a comfortable looking jumper good finisher at the rim as well when i was watching him though and this is another reason it's funny that that he's a lefty if he is someone who can turn into a willing defender, not just a capable, but a willing defender, those are two different things. He could easily slide in and be what Eric Williams has been for the last couple of years for the Ducks. A starter every now and then when you have an injury, maybe Gary A is out or maybe uh, Bartholomew or, or Kuznard is out this year. You slide him into the starting lineup maybe, but primarily he's going to come off the bench be a regular rotation player, basically the undisputed six man, and he's going to come off the bench. He's going to hit a couple threes, play some defense, play hard, and throw down an emphatic dunk every now and then. And oh, by the way, did I mention he's left-handed? I think the similarities with Eric Williams there are, are very real, and I think from a scoring perspective, he's got a little bit of a higher ceiling just because of the way that he uses his athleticism and his jump shot and also the explosiveness he scores from a statistical standpoint just putting up numbers i liked eric williams a lot and he has been a really good player over the years and he's going he was going to go professional i actually saw he went to san diego to go to the the toreros in the wcc so he gets to go up against gonzaga every now and then but i i think that when you look at tyrone williams he's a guy who can find a role right away i mean i mean when you're big athletic as long as you're willing to defend and Dane Altman tends to recruit guys who are going to be at least mostly bought in at the defensive end of the floor then I think you can find a role for yourself and he's, he's someone who could definitely slide in and be productive knocking down threes throwing down a dunk every now and then and and hopefully making some plays at the defensive end of the floor as well but Oregon needs that right they don't have a, a clear six man at this point in time but I think if you're bringing him and Dior Johnson off the bench I, I think that you're looking at a pretty solid amount of depth on this roster for Dana Altman and the entire 2022-23 campaign. But I appreciate the question, Nine Family Bryce. There is one more new incoming basketball player that I will get to. It's Brennan Rigsby. That will be on the next episode, which is why you should like and subscribe if you have not already, wherever you, wherever you are listening to or watching the show. Thanks for making this your first listen. Go check me out on Locked On Pac-12, covering the Conference of Champions for your second listen of the day. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.